Welcome to the Insomnia Coach Podcast. My name is Martin Reed. I believe that nobody needs to live with chronic insomnia and that evidence-based cognitive and behavioral techniques can help you enjoy better sleep for the rest of your life. The content of this podcast is provided for informational and educational purposes only. It's not medical advice and is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure or prevent any disease, disorder or medical condition. It should never replace any advice given to you by your physician or any other licensed healthcare provider. Insomnia Coach LLC offers coaching services only and does not provide therapy, counselling, medical advice or medical treatment. The statements and opinions expressed by guests are their own and are not necessarily endorsed by Insomnia Coach LLC. All content is provided as is and without warranties, either express or implied. Susie never had a great relationship with sleep, but dealing with her insomnia wasn't something that was high on her list of priorities. That all changed, however, when Susie went overseas and her sleeping pills seemed to suddenly stop working. Quite understandably, Susie's anxiety skyrocketed and she ended up cutting her vacation short and returning home. It was at this point that Susie realized she had to do something to improve her sleep. In this episode, Susie talks about the changes she made to create significantly better conditions for sleep. She also discusses the challenges she faced as she implemented these changes and describes the ups and downs she experienced along the way. Susie used to feel anxious about going to bed and used to dislike even being in her bedroom. Today, Susie loves her bedroom, loves sleep and is confident in her natural ability to sleep. This transformation was entirely down to her own efforts to address the thoughts and behaviours that perpetuate sleep disruption, her natural ability to sleep, and her refusal to give up. A full transcript of this podcast and an accompanying video can be found at insomniacoach.com forward slash podcast. Hello, Susie. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to come onto the podcast. Hey, Martin. I'm, I'm really happy to do this. And it's good to see you. Yeah, it's, it's great to see you too. You know, it's, it's always such a difference because so much of the communication I do with clients or visitors to my website is just by email, the written word. And sometimes I don't actually get to see people. And so it's always nice to just put a face to the name and actually see the person that I'm that I'm communicating with. Yeah, definitely the same. It's, it's good to see you. And really, I'm really happy to be doing this too. I, I want to, it'd be really nice to sort of um, make, give other people uh, the, the, the knowledge that they can get through insomnia. I mean, yeah. it, it's a hellish thing. And I'd really like to enable somebody else to do that because it's made such a difference to my life. And, um, and I, it, it's really nice to you know do it for you too because I, I've got so much from you. Great, yeah. I, I appreciate that, and I know that everyone listening to this is going to get so much from you too. So, without further ado, let's start right at the beginning. Um, so, 
When did your sleep problems begin? And do you have any idea what that initial trigger for, for your sleep issues was? Um, yeah, um, definitely. Um, I, I had um, pretty traumatic um, childhood. I was terrified of going to bed. Um, and yeah, I, I used to... It, it, right, it, it started really early. I, I was scared to go to bed. And um, if I, when I did go to sleep, I would wake up in the night and I'd, I'd be screaming. I'd be terrified. Um, and I, I don't know how that got dealt with, um, really. And my parents were always arguing about me. Um, I was a source of sort of contention between them. And that... Um, just started off, and my mother also um, had really bad anxiety, and she passed that on to me. Mm. So, yeah, so a lot of anxiety, a lot of trauma, um, a lot of awful things happened to me when I was young. Yeah. yeah. So, so it sounds like you know you 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 can identify that maybe this initial trauma is what started these issues with sleep. And then maybe this kind of progressed into, you know, maybe once that was less of an issue, uh, maybe it was more to do with just this residual anxiety or this worry or concern around sleep um, that was kind of sticking around and keeping those sleep difficulties around. Would you say that's true? Or, would, or do you think that it was, what? what's your kind of, why do you think it stuck around for so long? You know, like there was so much stuff in my life that was not good that was going on that this it, it was you know like you've got to prioritize. <laughs> I mean, I didn't wasn't consciously doing that, but the sleep was something that I just I didn't really think too much about it. It, it was horrible. I didn't like it, but um, it was just sort of down, down low on the priority list of what I was dealing with. Mm. And um, it didn't, it, it, as my life has become, as I've worked on myself, um, as my life has become better, um, and I'm much more in control of so much in my life, really, it's taken me this long to get to the sleep, if you know what I mm. mean. And so, yeah, oh, the most recent thing was I was in, I went to England a couple of years ago, and um, and I was supposed to be doing a cruise, no, a tour around Italy, about a month after I got there, and I had taken um, some sleeping pills to get me through that time, plus another you know few, and anyway I got on the plane and I took a pill didn't go to sleep at all. I got to England. I, I, and I was too scared to use the pills that I'd saved for the, I was meant to be using for Italy because I thought if I don't have these staying in a different place every night, I'm not going to be able to do this. So it got to the stage where I thought, my God, I'm going to have to go home. I can't. Oh, I was losing my mind. And I'd been to try and get to a doctor to try and get some, you know, some nut, they wouldn't give it to me, and I was still holding on to these other ones. <laughs> it doesn't make sense now. But anyway, um, 
And then like one morning at four o'clock, I thought I can't go on like this. And I rang my insurance company and they sent me to a hospital. And I thought, this is, this has gone a bit far. But what makes husband said something to me because he was being really good. He was ringing me every day. And he said, Susie, have you ever, did you, he said, because I had like 15 years of therapy in recent years. He said, did you ever talk to your therapist about this? Did you ever deal with your sleep issues? And it was like, oh, my God, no. I was so used to this lack of sleep that I'd never, ever. So I thought, I've got to deal with this. Anyway, the situation did turn around in England and just carried on taking my pills. And um, all went well in England. But I did cancel the Italy tour. But anyway, <clears throat> I got back here, carried on taking the pills, and it just got worse and worse. The pills stopped working, um, but I couldn't sleep unless I took one at all, you know, like I might get one or two hours. Um, and, and I was just getting more and more anxious. So consequently, two years down, um, and it was actually just after the pandemic started. Now, I don't, I don't think that made a difference. But, I mean, it, it was obviously an interesting time for it to happen. And, um, you know, we'd just gone into lockdown. <clears throat> and I, I, somehow I found you. I found your program. And what, what made me go with you was I found the you know like um the, the page where you you know all the people are posting about their journeys and when i read that it was like i've got to do something i mean i was i was using i was using marijuana edibles to i was in a mess i was going nuts with my lack of sleep wasn't sleeping hardly at all feeling really anxious and I found your thing and your program and I found that page with all the people's experiences on and I thought, this looks like it could offer me a way out. And I thought, okay, I've got to give it a go. And I thought, and, and I, I thought, I, I know this is going to be hard. <laughs> it's really easy, which is why I had you know, done it a couple of years earlier. But I was desperate. And I thought, this looks like the only thing. I don't want to be on medication anymore. I just yeah. I thought, this is making it 10 times worse. <clears throat> and um, so I thought, I'm going to totally commit to this 100%. You know, no matter how hard it is, I'm going to do this bloody program. And at that stage, I thought it was going to be eight weeks. <laughs> it wasn't. It was much longer. And then, you know, like I realised, I'm breaking the life of that here. You know, there's so much good stuff in there. Um, that that's some of the key highlights that I got from it um, was, you know, you where, where you, you you mentioned that your ex-husband said, "Well, all these, whenever you've been working through anxiety, working with a therapist, etc., did you ever get to sleep specifically as a specific topic?" And the fact that you didn't actually, I don't think, is that unusual because for many of us, we kind of take this approach. Well, if I deal with 
my anxiety or if I deal with my worries or if I deal with my stress, then my sleep will just get better all by itself. Um, and when we have short-term sleep disruption, that normally is the case. You know, um, if we get some bad news, for example, sleep is disrupted, completely normal. And then once we've adjusted, usually sleep gets back on track. But what can happen once we've had insomnia for a while is the way we think about sleep changes. You know, we worry a lot more about it. We pay more attention to it. We think a lot more about it. And we can implement all these behaviors in a bid to improve our sleep which can include things like experimenting with different medications, different supplements, maybe going to bed earlier, staying in bed later, taking naps during the day, canceling plans. And all these things we kind of do in a bid to improve our sleep can end up perpetuating the problem. So even though that initial trigger might no longer be relevant, it might have no place in our lives anymore because our relationship with sleep has changed and our behaviors around sleep have changed our insomnia can stick around. So that's when it can be really helpful to make sure that we're also targeting all these perpetuating factors behind the insomnia itself, rather than what might have just originally triggered it. So I think that was a really big insight. Just one thing about that, though. I, it, it was, I, I'd had the insomnia for so long in varying degrees throughout my life that it was almost like I, I didn't see it as a problem. It was like mm. I had so many other issues that the sleep, it was just like, it was like having, I don't know, like one arm or something, you know, you've got one arm, nothing you can do about it, you've got to deal with it. I, I've actually got like a, a trunk full of journals, 30 years of journals that have been written, you know, like at one, two, three, four o'clock in the morning. And the other thing is how I've coped how I cope with my life with so little sleep. Yeah. Just, it amazes me. Yeah. It, it, it is quite amazing. And that's another great, great uh, insight, I think, is because so much of our concern about insomnia is how it's going to impact our, our lives. But as you just reflected upon, yeah, you definitely had some examples of how insomnia was having a negative impact on your life. But at the same time, you recognize how long you dealt with it and probably how much all the different things that you were able to do, even while living with insomnia is, is quite remarkable. And sometimes if we can just take a step back, if we're still dealing with sleep issues, if we can take a step back and remind ourselves of all these times we have been capable, we've had good moments, we've been productive. Even with insomnia, that can really help take a lot of the worry and the pressure we might be putting on ourselves to sleep away. And that's what the program has done for me. Because even though I knew I used to cope, I would worry about it. Oh, and I need to speak about sleep hygiene. I did it all, you know, everything. I don't know what I didn't try. All of that stuff didn't make any bloody difference at all. What the program has done for me is um, I don't worry about getting waking up in the night. You know, like if I wake up, I get up. Um, I watch all sorts of interesting programs on TV in the middle of the night. Um, I don't write in a journal anymore. I just get up and watch all sorts of weird stuff. 
So I, I kind of, yeah, I watch TV and I don't angst about it. So, and I also know now that um, if I have like a couple of nights like that, I'm going to have a few really good nights. And oh God, yes, it feels, I feel normal, you know, like I've got no inclination to take a sleeping pill. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm not worried. I hear that a lot, you know, and it's it's somewhere where I like to see clients get to because as soon as you don't worry about potentially waking up during the night and as soon as you don't worry about actually waking up during the night, you remove such a big source of worry and anxiety and and performance anxiety and all these things are unhelpful for sleep. And so when you take that kind of, it's almost like a I don't really care approach it just tends to make sleep a lot more, a lot easier. And when you combine it with just some additional knowledge about how sleep works, for example, sleep, the fact that sleep drive, this pressure to sleep builds the longer that you remain awake for, you can also be reassured that, okay, if tonight or tomorrow night or the night after I do spend a lot of time awake during the night, that's going to really build that sleep pressure. That sleep drive is going to be strong. And sooner or later, I'm going to sleep. Every difficult night of sleep increases the likelihood of better sleep on a subsequent night. And bottom line is, if it gets really bad again, I go back and do the whole bloody program. That is the great thing about changing our behaviours and even changing our thought processes is really they're a collection of skills. And because they're skills-based, once we've learned them, once we've become familiar with them, confident with them, practiced them, got results from them, they're with us for life. So that, that it, it, in a way, it makes us, we're in a better position after insomnia than we were before insomnia, because now we're more resilient. We know exactly what to do should insomnia ever become a problem again. We just implement all these skills one, again, just as they worked before, they'll work again. And I, I just want to talk a little bit, I suppose, about... Um what you know what it was like um going through the program would that be useful yeah absolutely i definitely did want to cover that um you know especially some of the the behavioral changes that you made i know that one of the first things you did when you started off was you started to spend less time in bed you allotted less time for sleep and you just touched upon getting out of bed when being in bed didn't feel good so yeah i would love to to hear your experience with that and i'm sure everyone else listening to this would love to hear that too yeah um that was really hard you know like having that sleep window um of going to bed late i think i did at the beginning i think going to bed at like one o'clock <laughs> anyway it was incredibly hard and it was the winter. Um, and getting up was okay. That, that wasn't, I mean, it wasn't pleasant. Um, but going to, you know, staying out of bed until like really late and being so tired, even going into the program, I was already tired. Um, yeah, so how did I stay awake? Um, I would be pacing around the house. First of all, um, then I thought that I would have to sit down after a while. And as soon as I sat down, I would start 
you know, falling asleep, but it was like, no, you can't go to bed. Mm-hmm. So I started, what I started doing was I would go to the swimming pool and I would go and sit in the spa for a couple of hours. Like I'd go there about half past eight and stay till about half past ten. Um, that sort of filled in some time, you know, like and kept me going. Um, I started going to the gym at nine o'clock at night for two hours. <laughs> it was hard, but you know, I kept doing it, kept doing it, and I, very quickly, probably within a couple of weeks, I thought I could see the beginnings of change. You know, I could see that this was going to work. That I think. All of these techniques, you know, when you read about them, they can sound pretty straightforward, but then when you actually implement them, they can definitely be challenging, especially in the short term before you get the results. Um, Some people get results quite quickly. Other people need to just stay as consistent as possible before those results come. And it can be really hard, you know, just as you described, you can experience this really intense sleepiness, just trying to keep yourself awake for that earliest possible bedtime and then what can sometimes happen is you then go to bed and suddenly you feel wide awake you kind of lose that sleepiness that's what yeah that's what happened you know yeah um, because at the beginning i didn't you know I, I was still in the old pattern obviously yeah so that that did happen yeah um, that's that's actually quite common you know we see it what the way i tend to explain that is before the start of our sleep window, you know, we know that we're not about to go to bed. Um, so we're not really worried about sleep. We're not putting any pressure on ourselves to sleep. So we're all kind of, we're just naturally a little bit more relaxed about it. And so as a result, those sleepiness cues are really obvious. They're really clear. They're really present. But then when it's time to get into bed, because we've had so many repeatedly difficult nights in bed, our brain kind of fires up almost like that fight or flight response to protect us from the perceived threat of being in bed. And so then all those, all that sensation of sleepiness is lost as the body tries to wake us up to protect us from the threat of being in bed. And of course, that's not helpful when our goal is to sleep, but it is something that does improve over time if we're able to stay consistent. And if we, if we can relearn to associate the bed as being this nice place to be, you know, associating the bed with relaxation and sleep rather than long periods of unpleasant wakefulness. And that's one of the reasons why another good behavioral change is to just get out of bed whenever being in bed doesn't feel good. Because if we're only in bed when being in bed feels good, that's how we're going to train our brain to once again, think of the bed as a nice place to be. Yeah, um, as it, what you were saying there, as bed, you know, you go through your day, but then, you know, like in, it was winter, so as as it began to get dark, I would begin to get anxious. And bedtime was a long way away. I had a long time to feel anxious about going to bed. And um, the other thing that had happened was that I begun, I, I had begun to, not like going into my bedroom even going in there was anxiety provoking that sort of started when i went through this awful period in england it's like i didn't want to i didn't want to go in the room even so just so there you 
go, you've got all that anxiety, not just about going to sleep, but that the actual place where you go to sleep was anxiety provoking. So that that's definitely changed. I, I remember halfway through at some point, I just thought, oh, oh my God, I love my bedroom now because I come in here and go to sleep. How did you manage to keep on track and stay persistent, you know, especially with that that intense sleepiness in the evening combined with the heightened anxiety, you know, because that's such a hard technique to maintain, especially before you start to notice improvements, how did you manage to motivate yourself to keep going and to just follow through and stay consistent? Um, Well, as I said, I was desperate. I really was. Your program offered something that looked like it could work. Um, and so I just totally committed to it. I thought I'm gonna, you know, like I, I was definitely committed to the first eight weeks. <clears throat> um, and not knowing that it was gonna go on a lot, but you know, of course, by the time I got to the end of that eight weeks, I could see that it was working. So I was just absolutely, absolutely determined, just keep, you know, just keep going, Susie, just keep going. Um, I'm proud of myself I'm so proud of myself for doing that I don't think people people who've never had insomnia people who don't understand what it's like have not got no clue you know like oh you know don't have a sleep in the afternoon I can't I don't know it doesn't work anyway yeah I was absolutely at my wits end I really was Uh, yeah I think I think that that's an important point is, you know, I just, I decided to just commit to it. You know, I like to think of this somewhat as a kind of set it and forget it approach, you know, so you've got your kind of, you've got your sleep window, you know, that you're not going to go to bed before a certain time, you know, that you're always going to be out of bed by a certain time in the morning, you know, that you're going to get out of bed if being in bed doesn't feel good. You know what you're going to do if you get out of bed during the night. You've got it all planned out. You've got this clear plan in place. And instead of, you know, the default thing that the mind wants to do is to overthink things, to evaluate, to monitor. Um, When it comes to these techniques, sometimes it can just be helpful to just set it, have that plan, and then forget about it. Don't monitor it every day. Don't evaluate it every day almost engaging that robot mind, you know, imagine you're just lines of programming and you just follow those lines and you just do them over and over again. And that can really be a helpful way of just sustaining that, that new behavior, that new habit, that new skill that you're, that you're practicing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And and I I think I just, um, I started to think to myself, I will, find a way to do this you know like I was I was looking for all all kinds of ways to keep myself awake because that probably was the hardest thing I think Um, to stay awake for me it was Um, but I, I would tell myself hey look this is not the worst thing in the world you know like you're on your way to sort of changing something and yeah, you know, I very quickly realized I was changing a lifelong pattern. I mean, I know everybody's anxiety is not lifelong, you know, it starts much later, but I thought, you're trying to do something that has been there all your life. Um, 
and it's not going to be easy. It's going to be hard. Of course, it's going to be hard. You're changing a whole lot of different stuff here in your brain. So I just kept telling myself, you can do this. You can do it. You've got to do it. And that's probably how uh, um, intense it had become for me. Yeah. yeah, I think I think it's natural that we we want to get results quickly, right? It would be so much easier if we could just snap our fingers, click our fingers, and then we're suddenly sleeping great. But you just touched upon a really important point there that we are we're making changes, um, especially if we've had insomnia for a long time. It makes sense. It's going to take some time to make changes to develop. It's like a it's like a set of new habits, right? We don't develop a new habit overnight. It takes repeated practice, and it can take a long time. So, although it's understandable that we want quick results, if we get frustrated when quick results don't occur, that's not really constructive. And on balance, it's probably not that realistic to expect quick results either. It does take time, and it does take commitment. Probably a bit like um, you know losing weight. People go on diets all the time, you know, they think they can do like, you know, two months of eating a certain way and that their life's going to change. No, it has to be a continuum. Like, yeah, I mean, basically I've, um, I've got a life, a different life pattern now, you know, like because um, like, I have lost a lot of weight over, over the years and I kept it off and I realized that you do have, it's not about doing a diet. You've got to make it part of, you know, your lifestyle. And I think this program, that's what it's done. You know, mm-hmm. and as I said before, if it gets a little bit out of control, I can go back to step one again. I love that analogy about that you use that example, you know, it's a little bit like losing weight because I think, I completely agree with you. Um, You know, what springs to my mind, the similarities there is it's a process. You know, we don't just lose weight overnight. Um, It does require a lot of changes and there are going to be ups and downs on the way. You know, the the scale, the scale isn't going to just every week point down and down and down and down. Sometimes it'll stay the same. Sometimes the weight might go a little bit up, but we're really looking for long-term changes what happens from day to day or week to week doesn't really matter we're, we're in it for the long game here um so yeah that i think there are there are there are, is lots of similarities to be drawn there um you know recognizing that it's not going to be a clear linear path and it is going to take time um, and there's going to be maybe some slip ups along the way you know just like we might sneak a treat when we're trying to lose weight from time to time we might inadvertently sleep in past the end of our sleep window one day accidentally. It's not really going to be a big issue. Um, We just have to get right back on track again. Did you find that there was, you know, just going back to you were talking about this really strong sleepiness before going to bed and then kind of feeling wide awake shortly before or when you got into bed. How, how how did you how was that tackled do you think was it was it like this great it gradually improved over time or was it like you stuck by stuck by stuck by and then all of a sudden it felt better like well, how did that transition change from being really sleepy before bed and then not sleepy at bedtime to just being able to maintain that sleepiness from being out of bed to getting in bed well it, you know it, it, that was i'd get out of bed it was like, okay, I haven't gone to sleep. I've been laying here for probably nearly half an hour. It's not coming. I've only got another sort of three or four hours to be here. But 
get out of bed, get out of bed, watch some TV, do something, get out of bed, go into the lounge. Um, and and I remember, I do actually remember not a few nights when, you know, I even when my the window was really short, I got out of bed several times, you know, like, no, get it. And that, but that actually helped me. It's like, okay, this isn't, it's not nice. It's not that bad. Mm. <laughs> it's not that bad. It's, it's horrible. But, I mean, I'm not in a bloody war zone, you know. There's not bombs yeah. going on. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I would just get out of bed. But, but that helped me break the, you know, because once upon a time, I, I wouldn't have liked doing, you know, like before the program, that wouldn't have occurred to me really to keep getting out of bed. Yeah. But that, that did sort of break the spell of it's not that bad. You know, it's not nice, not that bad though. So it sounds like it was kind of just this gradual process of just chipping away, uh, you know, those thought processes, that worry that was kind of suppressing those sleepiness cues when you got into bed. And you just did that by almost just retraining yourself. Look, the bed is a nice place to be. And I'm going to prove that to myself by only being in bed when being in bed feels good. So therefore I'm out of bed whenever it doesn't feel good. And, 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 and that was when I started to love my bedroom. I was like, God, I can't wait to get in there and lie down. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I really I did get to that stage. So I just got to, and, and, and that broke the spell of the bedroom being a horrible place. I just couldn't wait to be in there. Yeah. Um, so, I, I mean, I, I kind of wish now, and I didn't, and I kept thinking about it at the time. I should have journaled, you know, what was going on. I did a little bit, um, you know, especially when I was communicating with you about things. But... Um, yeah, I mean, it was definitely a backwards and forwards thing, you know, two steps forward, one step back, or maybe one step forward, two steps back sometimes. Yeah. But, yeah, it's definitely um, made a huge difference to my life. It, it's, I mean, yeah, it's, I, you know, I tell myself, well, you know, you're probably never going to be like your ex-husband, but this is pretty damn good to what I've ever had in my life before, ever. Martin. It's like I've taken control of it. I've taken control of something instead of it controlling me. Mm. Yeah. And that's a really nice feeling. Yeah, I, I think it's really helpful that you emphasize that you did experience ups and downs because mm -hmm. everyone does and it does take time. If nothing else, I think when you've had insomnia for a long period of time it takes time for you to get sleep confidence back and at first when you start to get results you're happy that you're getting results but the confidence is still kind of shaky and so a couple of difficult nights can throw you off again and yeah. kind of bring back all those worries but if you just stay consistent every single time you get back on track again you're building up that sleep confidence you're building it up, you're building it up. And it does take time, you know, just like we don't become proficient in any skill, just as we don't build confidence in anything overnight, it's a process. And then it does, it can take time. And I know that um, when we were emailing back and forth, it, I think you were around about the six month mark before you actually thought to yourself, all right, I'm actually in a place now 
where I'm feeling pretty confident about my progress, confident about my sleep. It, and and that, that, it's such a different way of thinking, you know, to how I've ever, it, 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 yeah, it's just different to how I've ever thought before. And um, yeah, it's a wonderful thing. Yeah. I mean, it's still not nice when I, you know, have a, um, a night where I'm, but it, it's not that bad anymore. It really isn't. Um... I think the thing is that it, we have to have some realistic expectations. You know, nobody has the perfect night of sleep every single night. Even people that have never had insomnia don't have the perfect night of sleep every night. It's human. It's part of the human experience to have some difficult nights of sleep from time to time. But when you get to that point, when you can recognize that and a difficult night or a couple of difficult nights don't throw you off and don't make it feel as though your world is crumbling around you, that's a real reflection of the progress that you've made. Yeah, I actually, I mean, thinking about this today, I, I you know, I had a bit of a doggy sleep last night. Um, and and that's, that's what I'm really interested in now is looking at you know, what is it that affects my sleep? Yeah, well, you know, I think that temporary sleep disruption is triggered by probably the same number of reasons as there are a number of people in the world. You know, there's you'll never be able to pin them all down because there's so many things that can influence temporary sleep disruption. But what we can do is keep temporary sleep disruption temporary. And really, we do that by reacting as minimally as possible um, and when we've had insomnia for a long time often the way we react has just become so entrenched like spending a lot of t- way more time in bed maybe trying to nap during the day doing all these different experiments modifying our days according to how we sleep um, just letting sleep control our lives all these things they're really the behaviors that perpetuate sleep disruption and they're the reason why expected normal temporary sleep disruption tends to become a longer term problem. So as long as we can resist those behaviors, those thought processes, those changes, then sleep disruption really cannot be an ongoing long-term problem anymore. No, no. And and just being aware that, okay, this is happening in my life at the moment. Might have a little bit of doggy sleep. That's okay. You know, it's, it's in, it's, in relation to this and um, but I'd also you know like I mean it just yeah it's it's like the control thing I I'm in control of it rather than it controlling me yeah. and that yeah ultimately that's a really good thing because that be, that was before I I didn't have any control over it you know I didn't know what to do I know what to do now I think that's the key difference as well when you emerge from it is because now you've got those skills, you know exactly how to react to difficult nights. Um, And on that issue of control, you know, this often comes down to controlling our reaction to difficulty sleeping, controlling what we do during the day when we can, for example, do good things during the day, even after difficult nights of sleep. That makes the difficult night of sleep not seem quite as bad as it might otherwise have done if we'd have cancelled all of our plans, sat at home, not doing anything instead. Um, So we are armed with all these these new techniques and 
it's almost like having this backup plan in place, you know, should sleep issues ever return, I can just kind of pull out this little book out of my back pocket and I know exactly what to do. Yeah, yeah actually, I, I, you know, I do, I've been aware for a long time that, um, you know, even when I had barely any sleep at all, I still was able to, to function okay. And it was like, wow, you know, that's really interesting. But when I heard you say that, that it was like, oh, okay. So, because I don't know if it was just me, you know, like, because um, I don't know anybody else that has it, had insomnia as bad as I did. Um, but when I heard you say that, you know, we can not get hardly any sleep and still have a, an okay day the next day, it's like, yeah. I, I hadn't ever heard anybody say that before. That most people, you know, that if they don't get their whatever, six, seven, eight hours, they're, you know, like moaning about it. Like you have no idea how lucky you are. But hearing you say that, it, it was like, that's right. That's right. I, I can survive on very little sleep. And it looks like it's, it's possible to do that. Because, you know, yeah, there's all this stuff out there about if you don't get this much sleep, or you're at risk of this, this, and this. And all that is so anxiety-provoking. Yeah. Like I've heard you say, it makes it worse for the, the insomniac. It's way worse because you take all that stuff on board. Well, yeah, I did. Yeah, exactly. And it, it, is, it is really unhelpful, you know, because these all these kind of sleep duration recommendations they're aimed at people that don't have insomnia you know so they're aimed at people who are deliberately not giving themselves enough opportunity for sleep whether that's because of their career or their social life and so the messaging is make time for sleep get this amount of sleep it's good for you but the problem is the only people really reading those messages are people with insomnia who are already giving themselves plenty of time for sleep to happen. But reading these messages just increases that, that worry about sleep. You put more pressure on yourself to sleep. And the fact of the matter is all these sleep duration numbers, they're only ever averages. There are happy, healthy people that live outside of averages, just as there are people that are happy and healthy that aren't an average weight, that aren't an average height. Trying to change the amount of sleep we get is just completely futile because we can't control sleep in that way. We can't control, we can't make ourselves get X amount of sleep. The body no. takes care of that by itself. As soon as we try to get a certain amount of sleep, it becomes really hard to get much sleep at all. Um, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, uh, the plane at six o'clock in the morning, and you know, oh god. So you set the alarms. No, no point me sending an alarm if I've got to catch a plane at six because I just lay there all night waiting for it to go off in case I miss it. Um, yeah, I think we can all come up with examples of that. You know, as soon as we put pressure on ourselves to sleep, it becomes almost impossible. So if we have a flight to catch the next day, we're like, I must sleep now. You're trying to sleep. No, uh, you got a big meet or big work meeting the next day. I've got to sleep. Then you can't sleep. I've got an interview. I have to sleep. I can't sleep. Um, you know, it's, so I think we can all recognize from experience that it's not helpful to put effort into sleep. But when we've had insomnia and we're so, we really, really want sleep to happen, 
it's understandable why we would put pressure on ourselves to sleep, but there is an alternative place we can put those efforts. And that is into other behaviors that can help create good conditions for sleep. And, you know, that's exactly what, what you did and why you've got results. So how, how much sleep would you say you get on, on an average night? Do you even pay attention to sleep duration anymore? No, probably no, because I'm thinking about it. No, I'm not. I I think it's a really interesting insight that you know now if I if I ask you something like how much sleep would you say you get on a on an average night you're like I I don't even know it's something I don't really pay attention to I don't really care that much about it and that's just such a big transformation from when we're kind of in the grips of insomnia we're really hyper focused on the amount of sleep we're getting or we're not getting or the amount of sleep we want to get and i always think it's a real gauge a real yardstick a real measure of success when you get to that point where if someone asks you how much sleep do you think you got last night you're like i i, I don't really know i don't really think about it no i and now i am thinking probably you know like on a good night probably between eight and nine hours hmm. Well, that's great. I know that I've taken up a lot of your time, Susie. So I do, I'm going to bring us to a close now, but there is one question that I do want to ask. And it's the question that I always ask at the end of podcast, these podcast discussions. So I want to ask you the question too. Um, If someone with chronic insomnia is listening and feels as though they've tried everything, that they're beyond help and they just can't do anything to improve their sleep, what would you tell them? Well, to go do this, I do, I already do, you know, like um, I I do sort of guide people towards you. Um, A therapist actually um emailed me a couple of days ago and said what was that sleep program you did you know like it's for a client so um and now i will be guiding them to this podcast (laughs) go and have a listen to that that's great well i think that's a great note to end on susie so thank you so much for coming on um i know that people are going to really enjoy listening to this story get a lot of value from it and like i always say you know if anyone listening to this can recognize their experience with insomnia, even to to any extent, really, in your own story, then since you're in a such better place now, there's no reason to believe that the person listening to this who can identify with you and your story cannot get to that better place too. Um, so thank you. I just know it's gonna your story is going to inspire and motivate a lot of people. So thank you so much for agreeing to come on and share your story. Thank you, Martin. You know, like seriously, thank you. Thanks for listening to the Insomnia Coach podcast. If you're ready to implement evidence-based cognitive and behavioral techniques to improve your sleep, but think you might need some additional support and guidance, I would love to help. There are two ways we can work together. First, you can get my online coaching course. This is the most popular option. My course combines sleep education with individualized coaching and is guaranteed to improve your sleep. You will learn new ways of thinking about sleep and implement better sleep habits over a period of eight weeks. This gives you time to build sleep confidence and notice results without feeling overwhelmed. 
you can get the course and start right now at insomniacoach.com forward slash online. I also offer a phone coaching package where we start with a one hour call. This can be voice only or video, your choice, and we come up with an initial two week plan that will have you implementing cognitive and behavioral techniques that will lead to long-term improvements in your sleep. You get unlimited email-based support and guidance for two weeks after the call, along with a half hour follow-up call at the end of the two weeks. You can book the phone coaching package at insomniacoach.com forward slash phone. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Insomnia Coach podcast. I'm Martin Reed, and as always, I'd like to leave you with this important reminder. You can sleep. <laughs>